Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty Show. My name's Hannah, and I'll be your host this week. And of course, week one is in the box. It was pretty crazy. Um, I think most of my teams that were meant to be bad did great and those that were meant to be good did terrible but that's week one for you isn't it always fun always mental so let's get straight to it so the top scorers of this week were really quite interesting not necessarily the guys you would totally expect so at quarterback QB1 was Tua Togavailoa with 27.1 points QB2, Mac Jones with 24.1 points. And QB3 was Jordan Love with 23 points. Not quite the trio we were expecting. Um, Unfortunately, some of those high-octane offences didn't quite do what we expected them to, but I do expect to bounce back from them. In terms of running back, that was a little bit more kind of standard. Running back one was Aaron Jones with 26.7 PPR points. Running back two was Austin Eckler with 26.4 PPR points. And then running back three, Christian McCaffrey with 25.9 PPR points. At wide receiver, well, Tyreek Hill blew everyone out of the water as wide receiver one with 44.5 PPR points. Brandon Ayuk came up as wide receiver two with 32.9 PPR points. And Jacoby Myers, which was quite a surprise, coming up as wide receiver three with 29.1 PPR points. Now at tight end, this was a massive jumble and obviously a lot of our elite tight ends were unfortunately out this week. But finishing as tight end one was Hunter Henry with 16.6 PPR points. Tight end two was Hayden Hurst with 15.1 PPR points. Titan 3 was TJ Hawkinson with 11.5 PPR points. So really a, a massive jumble and it does go to show that Titans, you know, can come from anywhere in any one week. A few touchdowns, a few receptions and they can become the tight end one. Let's dig into the big news coming off week one. Unfortunately, this, this comes as two major injuries happening, which is which really upsetting and devastating. So unfortunately, on Sunday, J.K. Dobbins went out and he is now out for the season with a torn Achilles. That is really devastated for him. And I feel really bad because obviously he's suffered quite a few injury setbacks in the recent seasons. The thing I fear for him now is that this could be the end of potentially not his NFL career, but certainly his career as a fantasy relevant player. Unfortunately, that means he's lost immediately most of his dynasty value. If you are a Dobbins manager, I think at this point you've only got two options, which is either you hold on to him, you pop him onto IR until he returns and you hope that he starts to have some reasonable performances and you can sell him for a bit more value. Or at this point, you just sell him and try and get him off your roster for whatever you can get. Now, 
The problem is I'm not sure that many people will be interested in him at this moment, but you could certainly put some feelers out. There are some J.K. Dobbins um, truthers and fans out there which may still have some interest. He might be difficult to sell, but as I say, feel free to put the feelers out. Um, and if you can't get decent value for him, I mean, look, really, a third then I would hold on to him for now in the hope that he will gain some value. If he doesn't look, he doesn't. But it's worth trying to get something for him rather than nothing. Unfortunately, we've also had a second Achilles injury, and that was at yesterday evening. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers started his life on the Jets, unfortunately had to leave the game very early, originally with a suspect Achilles injury, which has now been confirmed as an Achilles rupture. That is him out for the season. Robert Sala has said that they are going to roll with Zach Wilson as quarterback, or at least for now. So that immediately gives Zach Wilson some value again. He has been festering on some of the benches in my league, so I feel a bit happier that he has got some value there. For me, this is a sell window right now. If you have Wilson still on your team or on your bench, I think you need to try and sell him maybe to the Rogers owner or someone who is very low on quarterbacks, particularly in your super flex leagues. I think this is more of a super flex move. Really on one QB leagues, nobody's going to be interested in Dak Wilson, I wouldn't have thought. But as I say, in those super flex leagues, he does get a bit of a value bump here. Um, obviously, he will maintain this value while he is a starter, but he's not going to be the long-term option. They're obviously hoping that Aaron Rodgers can come back next season and play for them. I just don't see him being a starter anywhere in the longer term. So I think you need to try and get what you can and sell him before he is benched again. So I would be putting out the feelers to start selling him. Maybe not necessarily this week because people will know kind of what you're up to, but give it a few weeks and then I would certainly look to try and sell him. Two devastating injuries gutted for both those players. And, you know, of course, the Jets fan base who were really, really excited about Rodgers joining them. But, um, full, you know, best wishes and hope for a full recovery for both of those and to see them both in the NFL next season. So let's have a look at some stock up. So who has um, improved their stock with the, their performances in the first week of the NFL season? So I'm going to start here with Kenneth Gainwell. You know, we did hear murmurings from the beat writers um, around Philadelphia that Gainwell was taking the majority of those first team reps in camp. And this has rung true in week one. He played 62% of the snaps, whereas Swift and Boston Scott only played 28% and 12% respectively. And he also had a 72% opportunity share and finished as the RB4, RB24 in PPR points this week. I do think this this backfield does have the potential to have a little bit of movement and kind of maybe change over the course of the season. So I do want to continue to monitor this backfield over the next few weeks before I make any kind of final conclusions. But at the moment, Kenneth Gamewell is looking like um, the RB1 in this backfield. And I currently have him ranked as RB33. So interesting one to watch here, but looks like Kenneth Gainwell is getting the nod at the moment. Stock up on Calvin Ridley. He did a fantastic job this week and he came out swinging and showed the fantasy community that he is still that elite wide receiver that we hoped he would be, despite not playing for two seasons. He had a whopping 34% target share and 11 targets. And you can just tell that there's a, a clear connection with Trevor Lawrence here. 
I think he's going to be a fantastic player this season. Based on what was coming out of training camp, it's not totally unexpected, but it's great to see it out on the field. And I've moved him up currently to wide receiver nine. Another uh, player whose stock I think has gone up uh, post week one is Logan Thomas. He, I would say, is probably not even on a lot of dynasty teams unless you're in deep leagues. Um, but it was great to see that he was really involved with the offense in week one. Obviously, we know he's had some injury issues over the last couple of seasons. He was actually on the field for 82% of the snaps and he ran routes on 77% of dropbacks. He also had a 28% target share this week and had four receptions from eight targets. Now, look, his target share isn't going to be this high every week. But his route participation is really promising. He was on the field, you know, a lot of the time. And this could certainly make him fantasy relevant, especially with some touchdowns this season. So he's certainly something or someone to keep an eye on if you're having problems either with injuries or with rostering tight ends on your dynasty teams. If he's on waivers, as I say, and you've got, you know, you're not great at the tight end spot, he would be someone that I would be looking at. Look at as with all of these kind of wide receiver, uh, tight end two type players, he is going to be probably touched down, you know, or bust, but still someone that I think you could potentially have on your team. Another guy that was actually way more involved than I think anybody, or certainly I expected him to be, um, is Tyler Aljair. He finished the week actually with more fantasy points than Bijan Robinson, which you know, I think we probably were all surprised about, but we do all know that Bijan is the stud running back on this team. And of course, so do Atlanta. So Aljair will not finish with more fantasy points every week, but we do know from week one that he is still going to be involved. I do think a lot of his fantasy relevance and how much he's involved will be game script dependent. He did actually have more attempts when the Falcons were leading than when they were trailing. So when they were trailing, they did turn more to Bijan. But I do think he could have some fancy relevance as a flex play, as I say, in certain matchups. So please take a look at the matchups and I would say place him in wisely. But as I say, I do think he could be a flex play in some weeks. And I think he does have some increased uh, fantasy value, not just as a handcuff. We can't mention um, kind of stock up players without mentioning Kyron Williams. Um, although Cam Akers did get what we call the start in this backfield, Kyron Williams did in fact have the highest snap share than Akers this week. I think it's clear from this week's performance that he is going to be heavily involved in this offense. Um, he was the lead back during negative and neutral game scripts. And it was actually only when they were leading in the fourth quarter that Cam Akers took over and had the majority of the carries. Now, my slight concern here is that we do know that Sean McVay can change the way he uses his running backs from week to week. We saw that last season with Cam Akers. He played a lot, then he got benched, then he wanted a trade, then he came back and became the, the workhorse again. So I do think potentially this is going to be a little bit of a changing situation week to week. But from this week, we do know that Karen Williams is certainly going to be involved. So he is someone that I think should be rostered on in all dynasty leagues. And he may be able to help you this season. I would be a little bit cautious with this backfield because, as I say, we know that McVeigh likes to switch things around. But I would definitely have him on my uh, 
bench to see what he does next week. And if he's continuing to look like he's going to get the, the majority of the running back work, I think he could certainly be a flex play. So let's have a look at our stock down players who didn't perform quite like we expected or who we think now has lost a bit of value based on how they were used in week one. I've just mentioned his running back teammate. teammate. Of course, it's Cam Akers. If Karen Williams is still stock up, then of course Cam Akers has to be stocked down. The thought this offseason was that Akers was going to be the, lay, the lead back, and we did hear Sean McVay say that he is potentially a three-down guy, but it did not play out this way in week one. He did get the start, but he quickly gave way to Karen Williams. He only had a 35% snap share, and he only had a significant work in the fourth quarter, as I mentioned earlier, and that was when the Rams were, lead, were leading. As I said, we know things can change quickly in McVay's backfield, but I am worried about Akers here, and I've had to drop him down to running back 35 until I see him getting more play time in all game situations, not just when they're in the leading situation, because I do think they're probably not going to be leading all that often this season, although they did look much better than I thought they would. Stock down, I did actually also discuss this player's teammate, and that is Christian Kirk. So since the addition of Calvin Ridley, Kirk has been playing purely in the slot, which means that he is coming off the field in two wide receiver sets. They're keeping Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones on, on the field, and Kirk is coming off. And unfortunately, that is significantly reducing his playing time. The team seemed very happy keeping Zay Jones as that wide receiver too and on the outside, which meaning Kirk was only on the field for 60% of snaps in week one. He also had fewer inside the 20, 10 and 5 snaps than Ridley and Jones, which means that he's also likely going to have fewer of those high um, value targets and obviously touchdowns. So it's going to result in fewer fantasy points than expected and it you know, it means that I've had to move Christian Kirk down. Unfortunately, I just don't think he's going to get the fantasy work that we were hoping for this season. Another um, player from a backfield I've already discussed in the stock up section, that is Richard Penny of the Philadelphia Eagles. Unfortunately, he was a healthy scratch in week one. And this likely means that he's fourth on the running back de depth chart in Philadelphia at the moment. Obviously, there is a lot of the season left and things can always change, whether that be injuries or players not playing well. But at the moment, it's really not looking promising for Penny to have any fantasy relevance at this time. So, of course, it has to move his stock right down and reduce his value. If he can make his way onto the field this season, he may be able to show how explosive he can be. What you know from what we've seen in Seattle, we know how good a player he can be. Hopefully, he can make his way on the field. But at the moment, stock down for me. I just don't think we can kind of trust him or have any value on him at the moment. Another guy whose stock I feel has gone down after week one is Antonio Gibson. I think people in the fantasy community had hopes that Gibson would be utilised more in the Washington backfield this season, especially with the arrival of Eric Bieniemy, And that was particularly in the passing game that we wanted to see him getting some work and hopefully getting some more of those rushing attempts as well. Unfortunately, this was just not the case in week one. He only played on 35% of the snaps and had an opportunity share of 14%, whereas Brian Robinson's opportunity share was 72%. So it seems like Robinson is pulling away a little bit in this backfield. 
obviously what the other thing we wanted to see was his kind of pass catching ability and him being targeted a lot more well unfortunately this week he did actually have fewer targets than Robinson where he'd only saw one target compared to Robinson's two he did run more routes than Robinson though and he was on the field for more third downs but Robinson was also on the field for some of those third downs so he's not even purely the third down or taking all of the third down work Robinson is getting some third down touches so that again that's taking some of the touches from Gibson at the moment, to me, it seems unlikely that he's going to see enough work to be fancy relevant on a weekly basis. So unfortunately for me at this time, he is a stock down player. Final stock down player for this week, that's Juju Smith-Schuster. At the minute, he appears to be third on the Patriots step chart and he's playing behind Kendrick Bourne and Kayshawn Boutte, which is kind of worrying, really, because obviously Juju, we were hoping or thinking that potentially he would be the wide receiver one on this team, potentially along with Devontae Parker. But this does not seem to be the case. According to Nathan Yankee at PFF, he consistently played in the 12 and 21 personnel when they were in 12 and 21 personnel, but he did come off the field when they were playing in 11 personnel. Unfortunately, that means he only ran routes on 46% of the team snaps. And because he has or is on the field such such a little amount of time, he would need a high target share to maintain any fancy relevance. So for me, I already had Juju quite low. Um, You know, I think unfortunately his fancy relevance is, is waning. And this has just proven to me that 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 um, is the case now one of our final segments before we go for the week is rookie watch so i'm just going to highlight some of the um, great performances we had from some of the rookies this week um, highlighting some of the excitement we have around them and maybe confirming what we thought of them the first guy it has to be zay flowers he looked like the real deal. He played on 84% of snaps, which was second only to Odell Beckham Jr. And he actually led all of the wide receivers with nine receptions on 10 targets and a massive 48% target share. Now, Mark Andrews is likely going to be back this week, so that share certainly will decrease. But Lamar clearly trusts him because he targeted him 10 times. So I think ultimately he could become the top wide receiver on this team moving forward. And I still think he will have some decent fancy relevance there. So I think um, there's some excitement for, say, Flowers. And hopefully he's going to continue to show what a great wide receiver he is. The next guy I have to talk about is Puka Nakua. I actually don't think anybody expected him to ball out like he did in week one. I know there were certainly some people who thought that he was talented and by the sounds of it, he he kind of dropped down in, in the NFL draft because of injury concerns rather than talent concerns. But wow, did he show out. He had 10 receptions in his first ever NFL game, which is actually a rookie record. No other rookie um, has had 10 receptions in, in the kind of recent history anyway. He is going to be a big factor in this offense with Cooper Cup out. And if he continues to play well, I do think he will continue to be a factor in this offense going forward, even when Cup gets back. If you got him in your late rounds of your rookie drafts, I think you must be absolutely elated. Um, I would certainly keep an eye on what he does over the next few weeks before I promoted him off my taxi squad and got him onto my active roster. But if you're short on wide receivers and you do need someone to get into your flex spot, then I think you could certainly look at promoting him early. 
Tarjay Spears, he's another guy that we saw, I think, more on the field than we expected. Of course, he looked fantastic in the preseason. But then in week one, surprisingly, he actually played more snaps than Derrick Henry. Now, I'm not saying that he has surpassed Derrick Henry yet. Henry remains the king on that team, and he did have the lion's share of the rush attempts. But Spears did get involved in the um, passing game, and he did have one more target than Derrick Henry. And when he did get his chances, he looked pretty good. If Spears continues to be involved like this, I do think in good matchups he could have some flex value this season. And of course, we know that he's a fantastic handcuff also. So again, I think he is a promising rookie for us to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. The other guy I've got to mention, we did see him playing a lot in the preseason and this has continued in week one. That's Luke Musgrave. Musgrave has been involved with this offense from the jump. He played the most snaps of any wide receiver and tight end on the Packers in week one and he ran the most routes and he also had a 15% target share. So he's going to be involved going forward. To me, I think he's going to be a high-end tight end too with tight end one upside on any given week. So again, I think he's one of those rookie tight ends that is going to have some fantasy value um, from the get-go I kind of suspect he may have a similar rookie season to someone like a Pat Freemuth um so you know again he will give you some some value in his rookie season which is great so before I go I'm just going to mention some things that I'm watching and looking at in week two to help me get a better idea of what's kind of playing out and how things go on these teams and where they're going to give me some fantasy value or not so the first one I want to look at is what is this running back split in Baltimore following Dobbins injury is it going to be an even split I think it's quite possible that's going to be the case between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill Edwards has shown promise when he has played when Dobbins has been out so he may get a few more touches but it seems to me like the team do really like Justice Hill so he I think will certainly stay involved how much is Melvin Gordon going to be involved? Because I think they're going to promote him up from the practice squad now. Will any of these running backs have any fantasy value or will this be a true committee, which I think ultimately is going to be really frustrating for fantasy managers every week because someone, you know, and it might not be the same guy each week, may well get the touchdowns and some of the points. I'm actually really interested to look at this backfield split in Carolina as well. So they were saying that they thought Sanders would be a three down back. But Chubba Hubbard did take some of the work in week one. So I'm interested to see how much Hubbard will continue to work in um, alongside Sanders and whether Hubbard's going to vulture some of Sanders' work and mean that he is um, less valuable than potentially we thought he might be going into to the season. And another group I'm looking to kind of keep my eye on this week is the pass catchers in Atlanta. They did have a tough week and unfortunately Ridder only through for I think 12 times and most of those went to Bijan Robinson obviously we know that Drake London had no receptions um, and, and gave us laid a big fat fat egg and gave us a big zero I do expect them to bounce back this week they do have a more difficult matchup facing the Green Bay Packers so I think they will probably have to throw it a bit more um, and hopefully they'll start to spread the ball around a bit more than just throwing it to Bijan and the running backs but my question is, will London and Pitts get enough volume to both be fantasy relevant? 
I am concerned that they're probably not going to live up to their ADP. I think they will have some fancy relevance, but as I say, I'm I'm really worried that they may not live up to the ADP that, that they were taken in in their fancy drafts. So I hope you found that useful um, and interesting to hear which players I have stock up and stock down. Um, I will catch up with you again next week to review week two, see where we are, go through the big news, see who's stock up, see who's stock down and see what we're going to be looking out for in week three. Thank you all so much for tuning in. You know where to find us. Our next, we're at Five Yard Dynasty. And of course, the Five Yard family is at Five Yard Rush. You can catch us on YouTube or you can also find us on your favourite podcast provider. So until then, everyone, keep rushing. Keep rushing.